0: Yeah, there shouldn't be a rule book because what is a rule or a preference to one reader is the opposite for another. You're never going to make everyone happy. That's why we get good reviews. That's why we get bad reviews. That's why there's five-star and one-star reviews. What somebody's one-star review is is somebody else's five-star.
1: Hello, my steamy friends. Welcome to a new episode of Steam Scenes, the podcast where I talk to my fellow romance authors about writing the naughty bits. In case you need a reminder, I'm your host, El Greco, author of the LA Rockstar Romance series. Do you like long sex scenes? Today's guest, Kitty Berry, writes those. Kitty was drawn to romance late, but once she read Fifty Shades of Grey, she knew romance was her jam. Not only does Kitty release three to four books a year, which to me is a ton, but she also founded and runs Romanticon, Connecticut's premier romance author signing event, where I will be an attending author this year. I'm very excited about this conference. Um, I, I do have one free ticket to give away to the conference, so go and find me on Instagram at GrecoLenaWrites, where I am doing a giveaway on the day this podcast releases. And just so you know, this is uh, Romantic Romanticon is it Trumbull, in Trumbull, Connecticut on July 16th? So if you're in the New England area or the New York City area, because Trumbull is pretty close to New York City, I think it's like maybe two hours if that, and I think it is also on the Metro North line. So all my New York City friends where I lived for 20 years, you can pop up and visit me at Romanticon. So um, once again, that is July 16th in Trumbull, Connecticut, and I will be giving away a free ticket, one free ticket today on my Instagram, the day that this podcast releases on my Instagram page to Romanticon. While this podcast is a labor of love, and it is, I love it so much, it does cost money for production, hosting, transcription, and so forth. So I am thrilled to report that I am now an affiliate with Pro Writing Aid, the writing software that makes me look less like an idiot when I submit my manuscript to my editor. Pro Writing Aid helps me track overused words, the dreaded passive voice, bad dialogue tags, all of that stuff, which basically it picks up all my bad writing habits before they show up in my editor's inbox, which saves me money in the long run on editorial costs. I love Pro writing Aid and find it better than Grammarly, which I also use, but only for my business emails, because for creatives, Pro writing Aid is the way to go, it completely blows Grammarly out of the water. Visit my website www.elgreco.rocks forward slash pro That's www.elgreco.rocks forward slash to give it a test drive for free while also supporting this podcast. Now, let's get steamy. Kitty Berry grew up an only child who never wished for a sibling in a small town in Connecticut. After graduating, graduating. Hi, I can talk today. After graduating with a degree in education, she began teaching in the field and raised a family. Her literary influences happened later in life when she stumbled upon contemporary romance. Being a creative person by nature who came into writing during a time in her life when the busy balance of career and family made her crave an escape, Kitty took that desire and turned it into a second career. In 2013, she published her first novel from the Stone series, Sliding. Since then, she's written 10 other novels in that series, including a holiday edition released in late 2018. In 2019, Barry released a trilogy titled The Anatomy of Love, along with a carryover novel, Vines of Ivy. She released the Compatible Companions trilogy the following year. 2021 saw the conclusion of her Falls Village collection, which is an anthology hybrid she created. Kitty went on to release a duet, Blossom Springs, and is currently working on a standalone rom-com titled Burden of Proof, which will be available in October of 2022. But that's not all. Kitty founded Romanticon, a romance author signing event held annually in Connecticut in 2019 that she attends along with others on the East Coast. Welcome, Kitty, to Steam Scenes. I can't even believe you're still standing. Thank you. <laughs> that is a hell of a bio. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's a lot in there. You d- you've done a
0: lot. I wrote a lot fast and then I did kind of taper off a little bit. I don't get as much content done now that I run Romanticon okay. um out in a year as I did before before that. <laughs>
1: How many how many in a year could you push out before Romanticon?
0: Um I think when I first started those first couple of books, like the first five or so maybe came out quickly.
1: Um and I think I was averaging about five in a year. Now I'm at like three or four. Jesus, I don't run I, I have you know, I have a day job. I don't run a romantic I don't I don't run any sort of convention or event. Yeah. And yeah. I'm lucky if I can get two out. I am like bowing to you. That's amazing. How like yeah. Do you do do you do like I know some writers are so different. Some writers just like bang out a book in like a month and that's all they do. And then other writers mm-hmm. like me, like I do, I, I'm I'm the consistent one that does a thousand words a day. Um, so I'm kind of curious where you fall there. I'm all over the place with that. <laughs> it depends. So...
0: I was finishing Blossom Springs book two, and then Burden of Proof is part of an anthology for um, an event that I'm going to be attending, and it comes with a partner author who's writing, so I'm writing about the lawyer, and she's writing about the person who um, ends up being the criminal and needs the lawyer, and so she was finishing a book. I was finishing Blossom Springs, and then we are coordinating this Burden of Proof um, hers is going to be called Rogue and mine's Burden of Proof, but we're coordinating lots of scenes and things together. And so then we kind of started working on that. So I kind of like hit the ground running with Burden of Proof and I think I already have like 25,000
1: words for it. Amazing. Okay. I'm curious. Yeah. Is this your first time kind of, I mean, it's it's not really co-writing, but it seems like it kind of is.
0: Um, so yeah, it sort of is, but no, my first time doing that was Falls Village. So the Falls Village collection, um, originally was going to be part of Romanticon 2020, but then COVID, so 2020 never happened. And so to be part of that Falls Village collection, you needed to be a signing author or you Uh. were supposed to have been at that event. And, you know, some people that our um, authors in that collection ended up not being able to attend the 21 event because of the date being, you know, postponed. But um, we worked very closely together, um, myself and the other authors. So out of those 14 books, um, I think five are mine, and then the rest are other authors. So we all wrote in the same small town, we wrote about the same characters. So we all did have to kind of Co-author them together in an ex- to an extent. So if I was writing a scene with a character that was from um, book two, which is Puppy Love, which is M J Santangelo, her and I would coordinate that scene. I would send her stuff. She would, you know, maybe rewrite in her character's voice what should happen, things like that.
1: This is wild. I Mm -hmm. And you have a full-time job. You have a family. I'm sort of, I'm like bowing down to you right now. I like to be busy. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump back to, um, in the beginning of your bio, it says she stumbled upon contemporary romance later in life, right? How did you stumble?
0: What happened? Um, I didn't like to read ever as a child. I, um, I I didn't love school and I work in education. So yeah, that's kind of um, wild. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, it wasn't that I didn't like school per se. It was that I didn't like being the one that wasn't in control. So when you're the teacher or, um, You know, whatever, you're not the student any longer, you're the one in control. So that's why I kind of like it now. (laughs) Um, That's why I didn't like it as a child. But I, yeah, I didn't love to read. My mom did. My mom was an avid reader. She would read anything, everything. She was an extremely fast reader. She would, you know, bang out a book in a day. She was one of, you know, when you hear people that are like, oh, their TBR list is, you know, full and they're good reads reading challenge, they're going to read you know, 500 books in a year. And you're like, okay, that would have been her. She could have totally pulled that off. Um, so I really did not read through school, through high school, through college for fun, for enjoyment, because I was reading, you know, to get a degree and get a job and all that. And so I really didn't start until I was like, you know, 21, 22, when I was coming out of school. Um, friends and I started reading like all that chick lit stuff that I still do like. Um, Kristen Hannah. Uh, it's when I found Anita Shreve who happens to be one of my, um, all time favorites and, um, yeah. And I just kind of like got into it at that point, but like, not what I was, um, by like 2013. So there was like a little shift. So I was really kind of doing some rom-coms and some of the, you know, sort of the chiclet, things like that, um, having kids, raising a family, doing all that stuff. And then as everybody was getting a little bit older and TV shows were um I was watching a lot of TV, but they were starting to either – the shows I watched were either ending or they were getting a little ridiculous. Like the plot lines were like, really? This doesn't happen (laughs) even in fantasy, right? And I was like, I'm done. I just don't want to do this anymore. I can't pick up another show. I'm not interested in this. I didn't want to watch all that reality TV that was really coming out. All of that was happening at the same time. And I know it's such a cliche and everyone says it or whatever, but it's the truth. All of that was happening in my world at the same time that Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Okay. And I just ate up Fifty Shades of Grey in like three installments. Like each book was like a sitting and that was that. And so that really kind of ramped up my reading and ramped up my reading in that romance genre. Okay. More so than just the chick and then my husband started making just like a comment here and there, like, you read all the time. Why don't you write something? Oh. You know, I mean, for someone who reads as much as you, you think you'd write a book. Right. And it took a couple of times of him saying that for me to be like, well, I have an idea. Like I've had this idea for a long time <laughs> and that was sliding. Huh. And so I did it. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. And I haven't looked yeah. back. <laughs> that's, really,
0: that's really wild. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. So, okay, for Fifty Shades, and I'm admitting right here, I never read it. Okay. I've never read it. So I'm curious, what what did you love about it? It was the love story. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah. I It just... Christian and Anna together and just that strong connection that level of like I'm going to control you but not in that bad way like not in that sort of negative way I know that you know there's a lot of controversy um, sort of with that and you can look at it both ways but he was really doing it from a good place in his heart and in his mind. Um, it was a little misguided at times, but I think for the most part, it was done with his heart in the right place. And it was just that powerful love. Um, Sylvia Day's, uh, series as well. Um, there to you, I think is the first one in that series that had a lot of that feel to it. Um, Shayla Black has a a lot
1: of that as well. So based on the books that you were reading, my, my assumption is, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you wrote your first book, did you just like go straight for like, like you were like, okay, steamy all the way? Or did you close the door? Did you do a fade to black? Like what was the what did you do for your first book?
0: I was steamy. Sliding has changed quite a bit over the course of the oh gosh, almost 10 years. Um, Wow, that's crazy. I guess it's been like nine. Um, It it has changed over the course of of time. That was a bit of a challenge because the way the story originally was told, and it still has elements of this, but it was told as the characters, Tate and Brooke, when they meet when they're young. And so that's a balance. Like, what do you do when you have these characters that have met at 14, 15, um, you know, you know, living that world with teenagers, um, living that world as a teenager, I think, um, I kind of have an idea of what, you know, goes on, um, but not everyone wants to admit that those things are going on right. in their teenagers' lives or whatever. Right. Um, and then in the industry, should you really be um, talking about or showing those scenes under, with kids under 18 and right. Right. working in the field of education kind of made me a little uncomfortable doing that. And so um, Ultimately, that part of their relationship is definitely that, you know, fade to black or not explicit, right?
1: Um, I mean, we're, we're, because you know, it, it, I i don't know. Was it sweet though? Because I know with sweet romance, it's like the the chaste kiss at the end, right? But I don't. It sounds like that wasn't it either.
0: No, because then there was the other end of them where they were in their forties and right. you were seeing. <laughs> what was going on yeah (laughs) yeah and then i very quickly though which is funny because the next one i wrote the next book i wrote which is stoned is my version of christian gray so my damian stone is the guy that ties all of my characters together i write like a soap opera so everybody is related to somebody there's all carryover characters um not like every single character i have shows up in every single book or whatever but you get a glimpse into the future from some you know what might be happening with some of them in one book or then when you're in another book you may get to see um, where some of these
1: other characters that you read about in past books have have landed i love those um, easter eggs yeah I, you know yeah. i love that i love finding those in books i think that they're so fun when authors do that
0: yeah yeah. so mine definitely, if you like that carryover and you don't want to feel like a character's just you know um, evaporated into thin air, my books are the way to go because they'll definitely give you a recap on everybody
1: that I've written about. So are you writing basically in the same town or this it, it just geography wise or is um, it like I do close lot by in New York? New York. Okay. Yeah, New York I City? do a lot of New
0: York. I do do Connecticut. Okay. Um, There is a couple of things that are done in Florida and then falls village. We just, I picked a, a fictional town in Maine to do the falls village collection.
1: Oh, fun. So like with Florida and Maine, you can kind of, it's like vacation land, right? So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you then can Blossom run well. Springs, I do a lot of talking about, um, like her, uh, Pepper Calloway is the character I talk about. Her log cabin. I talk about. She lives in the mountains. I never give where that is, though. Okay. But, but there is a lot of uh, description.
1: Cool. Very mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. Um. Oh, I love that you. I love the crossover. That's just. I'm like kind of obsessed with that a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So your first book. You're you're going straight for the steam. Yep. What was that like to write it for the, your very first steamy scene? Was it easy for you? I don't even
0: remember, to be honest with you. Um, I do like to write the steamy scenes, though, I have to say. Um, they do come quite easy for me. I'm jealous. But... There are only so many ways to do certain things. (laughs) So when you have written, I think I want to say Burden of Proof might be book 26. I think I'm currently writing my 26th book. That's wild. Um, You know, it's hard to almost not plagiarize yourself, you know, because I'll be writing a scene and then in my head, I'm kind of like, you know what, someone's already done this in the hot tub or someone has mm. done this, yeah. um, you know, in whatever environment, like, so I try to, I, I do try to change things up like that with the scenes based on say like the environment or whatever, because the act itself only has so many ways of, of going from start to finish. So it may be the environment that I change to make things be a little bit unique or different.
1: Right. Right. Okay, so the one thing I did find also fascinating is you have a huge age range going on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like Matt, like, and I actually didn't realize how big because I didn't realize that the Stone series you're writing about, you know, kids having a relationship when they're fourteen and then again in their forties. That is absolutely extraordinary to me. And how are you able to? I mean, that, that very different voices at 14 versus mm-hmm. somebody at 40, right?
0: Yeah, I, I have a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good memory. And I remember what it was like to be those ages, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, but my, my work definitely does span those ages. Um, Tate and Brooke really do start out young like that. They do. They meet at, um, at a dance at the beginning of high school. And, um, Pepper Calloway, who's, uh, Blossom Springs, um, in current time that does, uh, alternate in chapters of past and present, but, um, in current time is, you know, mid to late forties, her and her significant other. Wow. So, yeah, I do some college, um, age. Sometimes those are the kids of like the older characters, um, but I don't want to just read, you know, as a person who I'm 49, I don't, my kids are in college and, and a little bit older. I don't want to just read about college love, you know, right. I don't want really to have that, um, age span. I mean, the college love stuff is, is great and I enjoy reading those as well. Um, but I do like that seasoned romance too. So I try to do a little bit of everything and that's really, um, the Stone series more than the rest of my work, but the Stone series really does hit a lot of those side tropes um, for the reader to try to, um, you know, get them interested in my work and give everybody a little taste of
1: something that they would enjoy. Right. I tried to do that early on. Right. Oh, that's that's really cool. I mean, I kind of love, I'm, I'm, t- I'm really here for the seasoned romance, probably because I'm sp- well seasoned myself, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like in romance for a very long time, um, you know, and I think particularly with the explosion of new adults, y- we never really saw, uh, you know, older women. And and I don't even want to blame new adult. Even I think that it's just an industry issue, and we see it's an entertainment wide industry issue, frankly, that kind of erases women over the age of forty. Right? We're not supposed to be yeah. sexual anymore. Right. And it's like, well, it's not true. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I just saw and it was great. Someone posted
0: it on social media um with Betty White's passing, everybody's posting stuff about um Golden Girls which mm-hmm. I loved and they had a picture of the Golden Girls from when the show had started, I guess, and they were supposedly younger in those episodes than what the new Sex and the City characters are supposed to be. And there's a picture of the Golden Girls from when that first aired to the new Sex in the City that just aired and how different our perception is of what women in their 50s look like now.
1: That is truly wild. I actually yeah. did not realize that. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it's crazy if you see that picture because the Golden Girls look old in that picture that they were supposed to be like fifty three to 55 or some whatever it was, except that, you know, um, the Estelle Getty character, Sophia was supposed to be older, but um, the other three were supposed to be in their, you know, early to, to mid-50s.
1: I had no right. idea. I thought they were all in their 60s. Exactly. See, right? Mm-hmm. That You know, and moving into the 70s, that's how they, right. that was how you portrayed 50 back then. Right,
0: right. Wow. Yeah completely different now. <laughs> and only,
1: only room, room McClanahan was getting, getting some.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> she was the only
1: one. <laughs> so speaking of tropes, you write in a ton of different ones. Um, yes. Do you have a favorite? Um,
0: I'm loving this rom-com that I'm doing right now. I, I this is the first, I, I've tried to make things be light and, um, it a little humorous in um, Compatible Companions. Uh, I sometimes struggle with falling back into the sexiness of it and losing the rom-com feel. So I'm doing um, my best right now. I really want Burden of Proof that will be a, in an anthology for an event, but then it will be um, a full length when I release it. Um, and I want that to really have that rom-com feel. And I'm loving that whole rom-com thing. So that's literally all I'm reading right now is (laughs) rom-coms.
1: Oh, that's so cool. So when you say that um, you feel like the the sexiness is kind of overshadowing the rom-com, can you talk Mm. about that a little bit more? What's going on?
0: I fall into, I I have to watch myself because I tend to fall too much into the whole submission and domination. Oh, okay. And I don't want all of my characters to always be Not that they can't be sexually dominant, but I don't always want them to have that like Dom tag on them. But Damien Stone, who's like my main character is a BDSM Dom and he runs, um, you know, some resorts and some training facilities and it's very based in that. And he ties everyone together. So it's a very easy way to make these characters know each other and have something in common. Um. But I'm really just um, just having this character be sexually dominant as an alpha male who's a lawyer, um, but not have that BDSM background. And I'm really trying to keep the female character quirky and light and funny. So. Right. Well, I
1: was going to ask that, like, what is bringing in the sort of lighter moments in the books? And it sounds like it's going to be the female character doing like being quirky and doing some.
0: Yeah. And his I- mother's crazy and his mother is intervening where she
1: shouldn't be. Gotcha. So there's a lot of foils, it sounds like. Right. Mm-hmm. A very cool. Very, very cool. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll see.
1: <laughs> so I want to talk about Romanticon. Yeah. Um, uh, romanticon. Why did you decide to start? I mean, like with everything you're doing, why Why this? What are you doing? Here? Yeah, why? <laughs> like, I, why, I why? I ask myself that every day. <laughs> 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 That's the
0: first question on the top of my mind every day. Um, so I started attending events. Um, I have another author in... Um, Romance genre, LM Carr. Who, her and I are are very good friends. We've gotten to be, you know, personal friends outside of book world. But um, she was attending events. She would, it was even traveling to to events, and um, I started going to a couple with her. You know, New York ones, um, assisting her, and I love that face to face with the readers, and I love the. Um, camaraderie with all the other authors and like that connection that you can make. So from the first event that I attended, um, which was Authors in the City in New York, I went to see Shayla Black. She's my ultimate favorite. Um, and I was just there as a reader. And I the best feeling ever, like in all of the years, it's topped everything, Someone who runs a blog saw me just walking around, and came up to me and said, "Oh my God, are you Kitty Barry? Oh my God, you're and a celebrity! Like, oh my God!" Like, <laughs> yeah. And she was like, "Would you sign my whatever?" And I'm like, "I'm not one of the signing authors." Like, you know. and She was like, "Oh, I don't care! Like, I, I, that's so cool! Like, I can't believe you're here!" And I was like, "Okay." And so it was just so. Crazy to me that I was recognized when I wasn't even like at a table, like with my banner, like or you know, on the list where you know well, that's got to be Kitty Berry, <laughs> you know. So, um, from that first experience at that event, I was hooked on events. And then, like I said, I started assisting um, LM Carr and then I started putting in for tables. And it's really that connection with that reader that just um, does it for me that I really do like
1: right right so what when was the f- when was uh, what year was it that you went to authors in the city
0: uh, that was probably 17 17 or 18
1: oh so it actually wasn't that long ago it
0: wasn't that long ago no it was their last one um, i think it might have been 17
1: oh wow and
0: um, Yeah. And then I I did a couple other ones not long after that with, with LM Carr. And then, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what the first event was.
1: How funny is that? That I attended as a signing author. I, I would love to sort of maybe talk about what the event is too cuz I know like these author events can be very different from like yeah. RWA that has a lot of industry stuff we don't yep. talk, we don't really talk about them here. Um
0: I you know. Know. yeah, <laughs> they got themselves into some <laughs> trouble. Yeah, they, they got themselves
1: them into a so. little <laughs> bit of trouble there. Yeah. Um but yeah, so you know, but there there are like industry events but there are also author events. Yours is a pure pure reader event. Yeah, I I,
0: <laughs> I toyed with that
1: um for this year.
0: But hearing feedback from the authors, um, at least for 22, it is staying at that as that reader um, as that reader event. I really did um, want to do some author like professional development stuff in the morning leading up to the event. But I know, I know as an author, it is hard. You arrive at an event and your mindset is to get your table set up. Is have right. all your display stuff ready, all your swag out. Know what your spiel is about all your books. Um, you know, make sure that you're ready to go, and then really present yourself to those readers. So a lot of them really did not want that focus taken away to then sit in, you know, seminars and things in the morning to then have to go back to,
1: you know. Author mode of now here's all my stuff presented at my table. That's actually a really good point because it does take a minute to sort of like move the mindset, yeah, from like w- you know being in a in a workshop or something, right, and having right. like your creative brain on, and then have to like transition to that sort of more I don't know marketing brain or more social brain too because like aren't we all kind of introverts? <laughs>
0: right, right. I'm not at all. Though. Like that's naturally. so funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm so not. I don't fit that bill at all. but um, but so in our um, you know, the authors have their private you know Facebook group, and within that, every month, um there's going to be some professional development happening oh. from various um, different industry disciplines and some some people.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Really great one in, in April that I'm sitting on that I'm not telling anybody about yet.
1: <laughs> and I'm in that private Facebook group, so I'm going to get that, yeah. <laughs> which I'm really excited about. It's a big, it's a big
0: name author. <laughs> so I'm also hoping might be signing at the event, but we'll see.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So the event is really just, like you said, it is really just for readers. I'm only doing, tickets go on sale in two days on Saturday on the 16th. I am only doing general admission tickets for $25. Um, it will be open from 12 to 4. Anyone that purchases a ticket while supplies last would get a goodie bag as they come in. And... Um, door prizes were really big last year. So we're going to be doing some door prizes again, um, in 22. And it really will just be a day for the readers to be able to go around and meet all the authors. There's going to be three or four different spaces set up with, um, different authors and vendors. And we just keep growing and growing and growing. So it's, it's a great problem to have. Um,
1: how many authors do you have this year? It's a massive list.
0: It's a massive list and it keeps growing. Um, I think my final count that I saw earlier today might be 82 right now. Wow. Um, But there's still a lot more that are still sitting on contracts and invoices or family vacations or trying to figure things out um, that keep reaching out. So we'll see how that ends up. I don't want to be that event that only has New York Times best selling authors. I don't want to be that event that only has brand new indie authors with one book out. I like to have a variety of all of that and then I like a variety of all different subgenres. So I don't necessarily accept everybody right out the gate, even though I have tables. Um because I need to make sure that I have that variety of, of all that there, so that's really you know, cool. Like signed up, and I didn't give them the table. It doesn't mean there's not a table. I just maybe don't want another contemporary romance author. I might be waiting for that romance author that writes, um, you
1: know, MM romance or something. Right. So, right, that's actually really cool. That because you know, no matter what flavor you love, right, right. as a romance reader, you're probably going to find it. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like all historical or all contemporary or all just you know kind of traditional, um, you know, male male female. You're going to have male male. You're going to have menage. You're gonna, like I think that that's really great, and it also lets readers explore different different genres that they yep. might not have. Maybe I don't know. You just felt like oh I don't know if I want to read that, but then to meet the author, I think it does sort of like. You know, and they can talk to the author and say, well, tell me about the book. And maybe they'll, you know, try something that they've never tried before, which is super cool. Right. Yeah. 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 What's your favorite part of the day? My
0: favorite part of the day is um, meeting those readers, is having them at my table and talking with them. Um, I tend to... I'm very outgoing, so I tend to be able to just talk with them. I'm not like that author that's, you know, in the morning like thinking, okay, I need to know the synopsis for all of these books and what am I going to say when they ask this question or how am I going to explain that book to be able to sell that book? I, none of that even ha- enters into my head. Right. Um, I'm really just like, let me just get all this stuff on my table so it looks nice. and pleasing to the eye and like there's all little levels I want everything all you know matchy match and all this other whatever Uh, that's all I'm thinking about and then as they come over just chit-chatting and talking with them um I play some games and you know things like that just for comfort level for for the readers um and to draw them
1: in but I just really do it by the seat of my pants (laughs) <laughs> you're not the only one I have yeah, no idea yeah. when I go to these things I've, i like I'm just I, I'm always like I don't know I, I've got to work on my uh, on my table skills for sure <laughs> yeah
0: well we're, we're gonna do some of that in the um in the private group in the event um in the coming months because uh, we do I, I I had some feedback from last year and then I saw some things and and going to other events I tend to watch and see what goes on and um You know, sometimes authors are sitting down at their table or they're on their phone or they have an assistant that they're talking to, and that kind of really doesn't work well for the reader to come over to you, you know? Right,
1: right. So. So because we... Okay, so to you, I'm curious, because this is a steamy scene, I want to ask you before we jump into your steamy scene... What makes a sex scene good to you? Um,
0: A lot of description, but things that make you use all of your senses, sort of. You know, I want to be able to, and I'm reading one, I want to be able to feel where I am in that environment. Whether that's visually, whether that's a, a smell, if you know it's happening in a bakery, you know something like that, um, to then that whole experience, um, and then that dialogue
1: during it. Okay, cool. So when you're writing these, because mm-hmm. knowing that this is what you love to read, and, I'm, and this is what you're going to write, I'm assuming when you're writing these. Do you do you ha, what's the process there? Are you layering the senses in, or are you just able to just get it all out like that sort of like one go?
0: Um, most of it in that one go, but I I go back numerous times and add and take out and switch things around. But for the most part, um, it all does end up in there. Okay, because I know and some It's funny often- because the scene that you're gonna read. Um, really is one of those ones that I don't think there's a whole ton that's like new or like, you know, wow, they did it that way. Um, but what I did was I used the kitchen counter. I had her on the counter right? and I had the cabinet above her with Beck with his arms stretched on that cabinet. Right. So like in my head, if that was the scene I was reading someone else's book, that is what I would remember from that scene that you're going to read.
1: Right. It's, it's I can see that in my yeah. mind Yeah. of what that looks like. That's cr- That's really cool. Because I know some authors – they, like they'll just get the choreography down, right? Because that—that mm-hmm. to me is always the, okay. Where's the, how many hands do we have here? Are there, right? Right? Are there, is there one too many? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then sort of like go go back and rework, right? And and sort of see, okay, now how can we, you know, how can we how can I bring this alive a little bit more so that it's not just the choreography?
0: Well, and then I have people that you know read it before it hits you know the market and. Hopefully in the amount of eyes that it goes, you know, it passes. Someone will see if there were five hands instead of four. (laughs) Um, There are things that get through and there are things that I find as a reader in some really, really, really high end quality, good authors work that they've got some top people from the industry working on their material and these things get through. So then I feel
1: like you know what—if it's happened to them, it's going to happen to all of us. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It just happens. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. Ju- we try really hard not to make it happen, but it just happens. But, um, yeah, yeah, it it just is. I mean, yeah, because we've got what you know. I mean, I don't. How, how long are your books, by the way? Generally, my books are
0: long. I do write long, about one hundred and twenty.
1: Whew, that's a lot. Yeah, so it's like one hundred and twenty. That's a lot of words. Yeah,
0: stone. You know? which is the second book in the stone series is like a Bible. It is ginormous. I I don't even know how many words it is, but it's it's very, very big. That one, that one's huge. I have some other ones that are a little bit smaller, um, that I've done along the way. Uh, Blossom Springs book one is a little bit longer than book two, not by too too much. Um, I want to say book two might be in like the 85 to 90 ish or so Mark. And, um, Burden of proof is definitely going to be, you know, up there at, at the about 120 mark, would be my guess.
1: I mean, that's really extraordinary that you can, you know, get, you, you know, that you've, before you started working on Romanticon, you were able to put out five books a year at, at, at like, you know, huge word right. counts. That's really Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, so how much coffee do you drink during the uh, day? It's
0: not even the coffee. I'm just, I don't. I don't know. I just, I don't sleep well. And I, I, I can't write at night anymore. I did when I first started. I
1: really don't anymore. I write better in the morning. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, yeah, my first books were all written at night. Yeah, so are mine. And now, and now I'm like the total opposite. It's like, the I have to do it first thing. And I'm like, and now I feel like I have to do it first thing when I'm fresh or else the words just don't come as quickly and they're just not as good. Right. Yep. You know, so, so yeah, I'm definitely a morning writer as well. Um, So I want to dig into your intimate scene. (laughs) So we are reading from Blossom Springs book two. And so set this up for me. Where are we? What's the,
0: where are we in the story? So Pepper Calloway is a romance author and she has a daughter, Campbell. When Pepper was in college, um, she was dating a guy named Charlie Tanner for some reasons that I won't, you know, go into readers. will have to find out that's in book one. Yeah. They did not end up uh, together and they went their separate ways and Pepper um, married a guy named Nick Calloway. So Pepper and Nick have a daughter named Campbell. So there's some things that go on in book one, but long story short about all that is Campbell is in college and she meets a hockey player named Beck Tanner. Beck is Charlie's son. Mm. So Pepper's daughter is dating her college boyfriend's son.
1: Interesting. So mm-hmm. so got a few got a few tropey things going on here, I think. Yeah. Which yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Does this count as a sports romance too, as a hockey player? uh, There's a little bit
0: of the hockey stuff in here, but not,
1: not a lot. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, Cool. So where are we in this scene?
0: So they are in London. She um, is a college student and she went to study abroad for interior design for a semester. Um, And there were some other factors that brought her to London And they, uh, Campbell and Beck did not separate on the best of terms. And when she found out some other factors that were existing in London, she called her mother hysterical. And, um, because her mother is now reunited with, um, Charlie, who is Beck's father Beck tagged along on the trip and, um, some things came to a head um, in the living room, and the adults all left and um, left back in Campbell's apartment with her. Okay,
1: so this is kind of there's a little bit of like a step sibling thing happening. Did they did they meet separate from the parents, or did yes. they? Okay, so they d- they didn't like know each other as their parents. No, uh, uh, you know because you know I'm guessing the parents are together now uh not till the end of book two technically but um as far as being married or anything like that yeah okay okay so so uh, so this is kind of interesting because you're kind of like really playing with uh with a bunch of tropes here which i think is super cool yeah all right i'm gonna start reading okay lay back Beck orders as he releases the seal of his kiss from her lips Campbell is a tiny girl, so she's able to scoot her ass back enough to lie comfortably across the counter while Beck stands on the side, watching as her torso goes flat and he places one hand on the cabinet above. Take your top off, he demands, raising his other hand to the cabinet to hover his large body over her. Slowly, then the bra. I want to see your breasts, your hard nipples. Campbell doesn't question him or put up a fight. She holds her body up just enough to slide the shirt off over her head as slowly as she can force herself. Then her fingers shake with the same effort when she tries to, erase, tries to ease the clasp of her bra free. Beck watches with wide eyes, growing glassy with lust and restraint. It's been a long time and he'd rather rip her clothes off and plunge into her, find their release, than have a slow round, but he must hold back. So he watches, looming over her, licking his lips. Oh God. Okay, so there's the cabinet.
0: Mm-hmm. There it is.
1: It's the cabinet. <laughs> and what's really great, when I was reading through this scene, I was sort of going, there's some Dom play going on here, but without it being like a BDSM mm-hmm. romance. So I was like, I was like, okay, you know, so is he is he like that sort of alpha hero guy going on, or is he just is he just Dom in bed?
0: There's some alpha stuff going on, but there's a little history of um, so him and his he he his dad was a single dad, and him and um, and Charlie are close. And they share a lot of information. And Charlie wasn't always in college attuned to uh, the ladies as much as he should have been. And so he always tried to kind of teach Beck to be better.
1: Okay. Um,
0: And Campbell, um, Beck was not by far her first, but she never really had that much enjoyment um, with the guys she had been with and mentioned it to him. And he decided that he was on a one man brigade to make sure that sex was going to be enjoyable for her. Oh, we love Um, those guys. So there is a little bit of some um, referencing to some of the BDSM stuff and some of the um, past characters
1: um, from that. Okay. So, yeah. Oh my God, this is so intriguing. Yeah. (laughs) The the, the other thing that I loved with this, and and I'm actually wondering if this is um, because of these things that you're sort of talking about now, right? Um, I felt like you were really taking your time with with this scene i mean yeah. you know like in this moment and also on the whole like he's talking about restraint here right his restraint but yeah, like yep. i do feel like there's a lot of rest- restraint going on here and taking your time and i know i freaking rush my scenes and so i either have to force myself to slow down or fix it later or sometimes i'm just like oh just hurry up and have sex and get on with it like right, <laughs> so right. i just i i actually found the pacing through the whole thing to be really kind of extraordinary and really um i mean i almost want to say disciplined like, I was like, oh, that's great.
0: And there's, I, I cut some of the stuff out from what I had sent you, just like some other, like not information dumping, but stuff that wasn't needed in the scene to show the okay. action um, as well. But like, I think sometimes people fall into that, that they just write the scene with just action and just the dialogue. When you don't need to do that, you can give information within the scene. Right, you can stop the action to, to give information, and then you return back to it.
1: Right, right, and it's just—I mean—but I, how do you, I think? Like, how do you know when the pacing is okay? Right.
0: I think it's just personal preference of what you like as the a reader okay. and writing it that way. Yeah.
1: Okay. okay.
0: Yeah, and and if you talk, I I have some very close author friends who. Write with very little detail, very little. And if you ask them about my writing, they'll tell you it drives them crazy because I write with too much detail.
1: You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, I've read, you know, craft books, for example, or attended craft workshops where yep. authors are being told, well, the readers like to fill in that information, so don't give us a lot of detail. And and then there are some readers though who get really angry, and they're like, right. "I can't see this character. Paint this character for me. Mm-hmm. I can't see this character. I need more." And so it's it's very funny because it does seem like a lot of the advice that writers are given, the the, the rules, like the rule book, we're handed a rule book. It's right. actually it's just a, it's so it's so subjective. It's really pers- It's really down to personal preference.
0: Yeah, there shouldn't be a rule book because there's a rule or a preference to one reader is the opposite for another. You're never going to make everyone happy. That's why we get good reviews. That's why we get bad reviews. That's why there's five star and one star reviews. What somebody's one star review is is somebody else's five star.
1: Right. Right. Like I just on my on my latest book, I just got I just got nailed. It's like the. Like, I was just like, oh, but you know, but I was like, in a way, I was kind of like, okay, you know what? That's fine because this one star review is going to be great for people who like this kind of. I mean, I get nailed for like, it's too much profanity. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. Oh my God. I write contemporary steamy romance. Stop right. watching you this. I, gonna- <laughs> yeah. I write about rock stars. They say fuck. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, but no. you know, like, it wasn't her thing. She shouldn't have picked up my book. You know, like, that's. But for somebody else, they're going to read that review and be like, yeah, bring it. I love the F word. Exactly. You yeah. know? So, yeah. 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 It was it was just very interesting to sort of, you know, ha- have the all these sort of, like, writing rules. And it's just like, well, actually, they're more like guidelines. But they're not even right. guidelines. Yeah.
0: Being indie, we could do whatever we want. There's no, I don't have anyone over my head saying, rewrite this scene or it's not
1: getting published <laughs> right now it, it, remind me did you go you didn't go indie you went indie right away like you I went
0: indie right away but then i did use um an online publisher for anatomy of love for a while and i've since pulled it off and i'm just Ku right now okay all right like so you always knew, knew you just wanted that's to handle it yourself. question that no one will ever answer in the lifetime of an author is <laughs>
1: ku worth it or not so uh, again it all depends yep it all depends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who who the hell knows? I mean, for me, I'm in Ku right now. It's worth it. Um, I'm always tempted to go wide, but I think I think most romance romance readers read so much that, K, that Ku is a good deal for them. Right. Yeah.
0: You I know, mean most of them read on a Kindle.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they, they they're plowing through a book a day. It's amazing. I'm always like, wow, you read fast. I can't read that fast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. which is good for us. (laughs) Keep reading. Keep reading. We're cheering you on. (laughs) All right. I'm going to keep, I'm going to move on. Beck knows she's as achy between her legs as he is. His cock is heavy and throbbing in his hand, begging to to sink into the delectable heat of Campbell's body he stands back for a moment to take in her curves her dips and angles so feminine they make him want to jerk off and come on her flesh mark her as his again she is his has been since the day he found her lost after her run and she always will be this breakup or whatever she thought it was is bullshit. and as soon as he gets them both off a few times he plans on telling her as much Seeing her again, knowing he's about to reclaim her as his, Beck needs a minute to compose himself so he doesn't come before he wants. After this amount of time away from her body, it isn't out of the question. She's like his first breath, that sweet pull of oxygen into his lungs after a hard run. He can't take his eyes off her laid out before him. Again, finally, right where she should be. But his need is powerful and instinctually, Beck knows what they need, what Campbell needs. Okay, I absolutely loved that moment. She's like his first breath. (laughs) I was like, Oh, my God, that's so beautiful. And it was so and it worked. And it was like, it was this was really sort of interesting. I don't write male point of view in my books, right? It just doesn't come naturally for me. So I never write it. Um, I've tried, I tried in my last book. My editor was like, Oh, I don't like him. And I was like, Okay, we're getting rid of him then. Right. You, you do it like you do it so well. There's like this different rhythm to it, almost like almost like a staccato with the language um, mm-hmm. that I'm I'm really, I'm really fascinated by. But then you can also, but then you also throw in this sort of like really beautiful, sweet moment, but it still goes with the person. That has been sort of in the in my head as I've been reading. It still goes with him. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I live with
1: all men. Oh, is that what it is?
0: <laughs> I have all boys.
1: You have all boys.
0: Yeah. Oh, that I probably mean, helps. They're not kids anymore, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, that probably helps because I am just like, nope, can't do it. I mean, I think I do it, and then I'm just like, and she's like, oh, he's so too emotional. Yep. Like, all
0: right, well, he's gone. Yep. Yeah, boy, mom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay dropping down a little bit lower lowering to her core again beck's parts her slick folds with his thumbs and forces himself to wait to devour her her arousal fills the air making him blind with lust. it isn't making this any easier but beck perseveres he waits perched with his lips only a hair away from her core and then he blows a puff of cool breath up her slit from her tight pucker that he's yet to explore to her, to her clit that throbs when it feels his breath. Please, Beck, please, I need... Campbell sp- lies there spread out on her counter, her dark hair around her head like the, like the halo on a dark angel. Her piercing blue eyes slicing open his soul, imploring him to make her feel good. Her skin is flushed. She's beautiful. She takes his breath away. He covers her p- pussy with his lips and kisses her there with, with open-mouth caresses. Her flavor ignites a burning deep in his veins, and Beck savors the moment he's been waiting for. <gasps>
0: oh.
1: <laughs> so, this is again like I'm seeing the playing with the senses, the taste, mm-hmm. um, the, even temperature. Yep. How cool is that? Like it's just like <laughs> like this temperature thing in here too. And and again, like the patience with the writing as well. I, I'm just sort of like blown away by that. Like there's just so much patience going on here. How long is this scene? Like, cause this is this is pretty long. So yeah. Uh
0: and like I said, there's I took out a couple thousand words to be able to wow. shorten it up.
1: Wow. Cause this yeah. is like want I mean, because this is like this is probably a good five or six thousand word sex scene,
0: probably. yeah. And within that, like I would say, you know the, the actions alone, if I just took all of everything out and just put into the actions and the dialogue of the act, it would you know, I'm sure I think it would be down to two or three. but then you would lose everything else, all the senses, all the environment, all the. Everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, but even then, you know that that three thousand words. Because I think this is about three thousand that you mm-hmm. gave me. Even then, that three thousand words, like it does feel like a whole. it Definitely right. feels like a whole scene. You know, like I don't yeah. think that you're necessarily losing anything. So I, I don't know. I'm just like really kind of like th- like bow down to you. This is, like, <laughs> this is really extraordinary, you know. And I do, and I get like your patience with it. I, you know, like I said, I'm like. I want to get to the orgasm. And you're just like, nope, we're just going to go really, really slow. (laughs) And I, you know, and I, and I think that that is also like that build because that's building that intimacy between them as you're building the scene, which is super, super cool.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. One last little bit. (laughs) I know sometimes this is agony to hear somebody reading your work. So (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I'm all right. I've got some, I've, some of them have been turned into audiobooks, So I've been doing a lot of that lately, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't, I have a, such a hard time. Like, I just did one audiobook, and I'm working on my second and I just have such a hard time with like listening to my work. I'm like, I don't want to hear my books. I don't want to yeah. hear it. You know, yeah. but, so I know it's hard. So I, I appreciate everybody that comes on and does this and has to listen. I did a podcast ages ago for one of my urban fantasies though. And she made me read my book. She yeah. made me read it. She made me yeah. read it. And I was like, no, yeah. no. And I was like, I will never do that to an author. I think that's cruel.
0: Uh, I've done it. I, I've actually read in person at an event.
1: Are you? Did, yeah. I, I can't, I'm like, oh, I don't know how we feel about that. How was that?
0: Well, it was a group of us. And they told us like they wanted us to pick a spicy scene. And then I was going last. And as everyone else is reading before me, I'm like, what the hell? Like that was what they were considering spicy because oh. they maybe said like the F word or something. Oh what is God. happening here? And so then I was like, well, I got two choices. Like I either just scrap what I planned and just figure something else out real quick, or I'm going to go ahead and read this. Please tell me you re- you read it. I went and read it and it was from Compatible Companions from book one. It was about Elliot, um, uh, Montgomery and his significant other's name is Adams, and they were in a public bathroom in a New York City apartment, uh, New York City uh, hotel. Oh my God. Yeah. And I read it, and it was from chapter thirteen, and it became a hashtag <laughs> around in the book community for a while.
1: That is so awesome! it was everybody cheering at that point because yeah. I guess I think the yeah. the expectation was one thing, and they didn't get it until you,
0: right until you right. got up to the podium, right? Right. Well, yeah. And then as a waiter was coming in and out of the area, that was you know young. I was like, I'm so sorry. Please tell your mother I
1: apologize. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's that too. But yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I asked for spicy. Right. (laughs) And that's
0: what they got from me. So don't ask what you don't
1: want. All right. Last little bit. Yeah. His teeth scrape over the exposed flesh of the meaty part of her neck where it meets her slender shoulder and silences her. He thrusts again, grinding against her clit and her back arches once more. You're about to make me come inside you. Are we safe? Yes, I stayed on the pelt. Yeah, I should add, they are now doing the deed. Um, <laughs> Beck growls because the thought of her doing that in case she planned to have unprotected sex with another guy makes him insane with jealousy. From what she shared with him, he knows she's been with other guys. He doesn't love that, but they were all in her past. He's her present, and he wants to be her future. Oh, my God. Campbell bites at the at her bottom lip. When she sees the emotion in his face, Beck, I haven't been with anyone else. Good, he says. I can't stand thinking about you with another guy. Beck finds the pace he knows they both prefer and reminds himself of the lessons he learned. He prides himself for being her best lover, and he'll be damned if that title isn't backed up with his actions right now. He takes a deep breath to calm his raging cock sliding through her tightness, threatening to make him lose all control and focuses on what he knows she needs. But when he looks down at their connected bodies and pulls out enough to see the glistening of her arousal on his shaft, leaving the tip inside, he's not sure he can last even for another thrust. He growls deeper as he sinks his cock into her and flings his hair out of his face with a flick of his neck. Fuck. My God. He's so cocky. I love it. I love it. It's really kind of cool because I don't know this book. I haven't read it. And yet I'm getting so much of his personality just through this scene and, and so much even, and, and so much of their relationship too, or like, you know, obviously not the whole picture of it, but this idea that he wants to be this He wants to be this lover to her. He wants to give her pleasure. It's about her pleasure, and she has never had that before. And that is what's important to him. And that's what's sort of driving him through the scene. And so you can see that sort of intimate connection between the two of them through it. That's
0: what I wanted.
1: Congratulations. You did it. Glad to hear I
0: did
1: it done. So, Yay. <laughs> this was great. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing this with
0: me. Well, thank you for asking me to join you and I'm looking forward to having you at Romanticon. I'm excited.
1: So, yeah. all right, so we've got Romanticon coming up that is in July. Six months. What yeah. else do we have? What do you have coming up too? Do you have any books coming out? Um,
0: so I'm, I have other events. Um, I'm going to be actually um, in New Jersey um, in April for a day of wine, romance, and more. The person who runs that is Ros Lee. She actually signs at Romanticon, so oh,
1: okay. I'll be
0: at that in April. Um, Romanticon's July. I'm also um, going to be signing at uh, Sexy and Sassy. Oh, where's uh, that? Which is uh, in Virginia, Norfolk, that's in July as well. So I have a busy month in July for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some in the fall. Um, and then right now the plan is that burden of proof will come out at the event in October, which is tempted and tantalizing, which is held in Staten Island. So that will come out as part of an anthology at that event. And then it will come out as a um, standalone full length. Wow. And then my next thing when I finish that, because that won't be out till October, but it's going to be finished well before that. Um, the next thing that I'm going to be working on if, we'll see because I don't do well with small, but I'm going to do some novellas
1: that are holiday novellas. Oh, great. Yeah. I always forget about them until like Thanksgiving. And then I'm like, crap, I right. should have done a holiday novella.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have the one from the Stone series, but it's not one that people can just read. They need to read the Stone series and right. then it just updates them on the characters almost. Right, right. So I'm going to do these as you don't know, need to read anything else of mine. You can just pick these up over the holidays um but we'll see if I can pull that off for the
1: holiday season of 22. I know your novellas are like 60,000 words.
0: Like- <laughs> They're gonna have to be small because if not I'm not pulling it you know I'm not gonna pull off burden of proof for October and then pull off novellas for November. Yeah, not while not
1: while you're planning Romanticon and you have all your right. other stuff mm-hmm. going on which is so cool. Are you gonna be at because we met at Fall in Love New England are you gonna be there this year? Um,
0: so I haven't committed yet, but most likely, well, I'll just see what my schedule looks like when it gets a little bit closer.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. So best place to find you on the internet, where do you like to hang out?
0: Best place to find me is most likely Facebook. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I've been doing much better on TikTok.
1: I try to post something once a day on TikTok. Ooh, Tell me about that. I, I, I'm on TikTok, but I'm not on TikTok. I hate it.
0: it. It's a challenge. It's so I don't hard. know. It, it You just, you got to find a sound that's trending. You've got to have content that can go with it. You need to make the video and hope for the best. That's all, the best I could even say about that app. It really, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I just
1: feel like I'm not a natural fit for it. Like, I feel like either yeah. you are or you aren't. And I'm just, yeah. I don't think I am.
0: Well, and one of the things that we're going to do in the private group with the author that's pretty big. She's very big on social media and she's um, gonna give us some
1: TikTok advice. Help fun. Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah. You. Um, Please and thank you. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I'm the most on Facebook. I have my reader group is Kitty Berry's
1: Perfectly Naughty Kittens. Oh, I love that. Um So I'm the most active on Facebook for sure. Cool. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes. So people can just, you know, don't have to scramble. I need a pen or, Oh shit, I'm driving. I will. (laughs) They're right there. You can click on it later. Perfect. Kitty, thank you so much for doing this. It was such a pleasure to get to know you, especially like before the event, you know, like now I can really like go and I'll be like, I know Kitty. Oh gosh. And I read one of her scenes. And I I know, know, I know what she's (laughs) writing. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, Thank you so much, and
0: I look forward to yep. seeing you in a couple months. I know you as well. Have a good night.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed my conversation with Kitty, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify, and tag me on Instagram at GrecolinaWrites so I can share the love. Next time, the hilarious Evie Alexander is on the steam seat. She loves writing the naughty bits. So the interview is crazy fun and just plain crazy. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.